1: Wow, it's uh, been a while since I've seen you,
2: girl. I'm sick of seeing your face. <laughs> how are you? Do You know what? I'm okay. So how are you, and guys, everyone, welcome to the "You Don't Love Me" podcast with your host Amir and
1: Pia. No, no, no! You said you weren't going to sing.
2: Oh, did I? Yeah, you said you oh, would well. stop
1: singing because all I hear is you singing all the time now. Listen, the fans have spoken, and they have said two fans that, that two, two fans,
2: it's two more, two than fans, me, two more than yours, two fans. Oh, you, were, you, were, you really want to see what, see what the fans say about me? I just hide it from you so you don't feel
1: insecure. <laughs> I get they, hundreds
2: of messages every day telling me I'm amazing. You're a piece of shit. They have
1: said <laughs> that they would like to hear me sing more. Okay, so actually, I had prepared a song for you. Fuck off. Literally, fuck off. Which is in No, English. I'm pissed
2: off. I'm, genuinely, guys, I'm pissed off. I'm fucking, Which is in what?
1: English. Okay, I'm
2: here for this now.
1: Go on. It's, uh, like, I was practising this song to sing to you. He's
2: smiling like a Cheshire cat right now. Go on.
1: I can't do it now
2: because I'm laughing. Okay, I'll I'm look nervous. away. I'll, I'll look away.
1: How about a round of applause? St-
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know why you're doing this. What? Because everyone's clapping for the NHS. No! You're such a bitch. <laughs> what?
1: No! Listen, we were listening to it in the car the other day when yeah, we were and? doing our essential travelling. Yeah, I know, but girl, what? You look so dumb
2: right now, girl. You're a mess. Okay, Stand in please, okay.
1: please just stop. Okay, God, Adele is fat now, and we hate her. No, oh, Adele. Oh, is, am I doing it right? Is that Twitter? Oh no, no, no. Okay, Adele has lost
2: weight. Hasn't commented on her weight loss. Hasn't said anything. And now everyone is coming for everyone and her because how dare
1: someone lose weight, babe? So I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing because this is the age of PC. So do I hate her now that she's not fat? Yeah, we hate her now, apparently. Okay, okay. Adele, you non-fat bitch, we hate you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know what? A lot of fucking shit. Oh, what a lot of, of shit. First I'm of all, Adele hasn't commented. Adele hasn't commented on it, so it doesn't really matter. Also, she and we realize this. She's been losing weight for years, for I would say at least the last ten years. You know, she's been losing weight year on year, and she did make a post last year on Instagram at some point. Where it was like she's done crying. She's going to be sweating now. Oh, did she? Yeah. Which means she's going to be working
1: out. So there's going to be some sort of Adele 21 fitness video coming out. Oh my God, imagine that We dream. She'd be like, dumbbell from the other side.
2: Do you know what? I'm going to say something. You know what? I've been there. Well, not as big as her, but you know, I've been there when I've lost weight and, you know, I, it was amazing and I'm, re- I'm into fitness now and it's changed my life because it's helped my mental health. It's helped everything. And I've, I've, we talked about it before in an episode where people are giving me shit for caring about what I put into my body. Hmm. You know, you don't care how many dicks I put in, but you care about the food that I put in.
1: I care about how many dicks <laughs> you
2: put in, so, what? Uh, that's, that's another story, darling. But um, yeah, so why are we coming for Adele? Because body positivity is, only counts if, you um, if your BMI is too high and you're overweight or obese. Medical terms.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, this whole thing that's going on, because again, I feel like people have got their messages mixed up. I have always... For Adele as being really beautiful. Always beautiful. And do you know what? Some of her previous work in terms of her photo shoots are probably more beautiful than some of mm-hmm. her recent ones, is my personal opinion. Work. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But has that got anything sumi? to do
2: with how much she
1: wears? No. No. But somebody is well within their right to be attracted to someone who's slimmer. She's lost weight. Good for her. And do you know what? She looks stunning for the fact that she's lost weight. Say it. And there's nothing wrong in saying that. Nobody's saying that she wasn't beautiful when she was bigger. Just, you know, looking thin and stunning shouldn't have to be to the detriment of somebody who feels good about being fat. Do you know what I mean? That is such a good way to put it. You can feel good and
2: fat and someone can feel good and thin. What is wrong with the fact that she wants to get fit and healthy? When have we sacrificed being fit and healthy? And like I said, we've done an episode on it before and it frustrates me like, when have we just given up trying to be fitter and healthier? When did we give up? You know, like, and the thing is, no one's going to be perfect at it, but trying is important. And if you're happy with not being fit and healthy, you you pop off this, you'd be happy. I just feel like we celebrated Adele throughout a whole fucking journey. Yeah, she looks I love her.
1: She looks stunning before. She looks stunning for losing weight as well. How about that? I'm living for her. I'm like, work, sis.
2: You got a divorce and you got that fucking Body now, yeah, exactly. And if she's lost
1: it, providing that she's lost it the healthy way, which looking at her, I'm I think I'd like to think well, she said she, she was
2: sweating and it seems like it's come off in the right way.
1: Do you know what that increases her chances of living and that increases her chances of having more heartbreaks, which increases the chances of her releasing <laughs> sickening music? <laughs> That's what I want,
2: girl. Do you know what? She gives us what we want, good for her, and you know what, Adele, we love you. Whatever size you are, we fucking love you. Yeah, absolutely. And we will celebrate you however you are. Anywho, we've got, some, we've got something important to talk about before we? we get to our guest for this week. Do we ever have anything to talk about? The All Stars 5 reveal. Finally. Do you know the one that we never knew the 10 contestants going on? Well, <laughs> what's the
1: twist? What's going on, sis? Okay, I'm go- getting ahead of myself. Pop off.
2: Okay, so... Um, all Stars 5 queens, RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars 5, have been revealed. Obviously, we've all known for the last year. That's, that, that's the tea, really, isn't it? And what I want to do is quickly just go through the 10, and we're going to just have a little comment on them and what we think. Okay, dokie. We love them all. We stand every single drag queen because you're living your truth. Let me just put that out there first. I hate everyone. Okay, so the first one I'm going to go for is our season three Alexis Mateo. Bam! Mm-hmm. So how do you think she's going to fare? Yeah. He doesn't think she's going to fare, do you?
1: She's incredibly talented. She paints really, really well. Her costumes are amazing. She's got a lot of flair. You can tell that she's Miss Vanjie's mom. And,
2: yeah. you think she'll be one of the first few out? You know,
1: yeah.
2: I'm thinking top four. Mm. Okay, so next we're going to go back to season one with the OG Angina, who got knocked out in season one by Bibi Zahara-Banir that
1: sickening lip sync. Her walking outfit. So how do you think Angina's going to fare this season, be honest? Very well do you think yeah yeah she's incredibly talented and she's only got better and she's got a great personality she's got great looks she paints incredibly well and she's the OG so she yeah she
2: will do well I think she's gonna do real well but I'm a bit nervous because I just have this nervous feeling like
1: mm, fifth sixth place maybe what I'm thinking top three okay work work mm. okay then Let's, also I tend to put in about five or six people in my top three
2: okay work so let's move on to Miss Cracker from season 10, who was the season Lucha of the competition. She won that one episode in that makeup challenge, which was incredible. And um, she went home in lip synced against Cameron Michaels. Now, can I speak on Miss Cracker? Because I love this bitch. I'm telling you, yeah. she is going to be there till the end.
1: I think she might do a Trixie Mattel. Ah,
2: so like get that win. Oh, do you know what? It's going to be an all-stars fuckery, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's always an all-stars fuckery. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, work. work. I'm, just, I'm just spreading shit everywhere, aren't I? Are you right. just letting me pop off over yeah.
2: here? <laughs> okay, um, Mayhem Miller. She was also on season 10, wasn't she? Yeah. And we, let's be honest, she did win Holly Slay. <laughs> yeah, she did. Yeah, Shangela was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think Mayhem's going to fare?
1: Um, I think she'll probably come in like sixth. Okay, so everyone,
2: according to Amory, is coming first at the moment.
1: Yeah, no, I said six. Yeah,
2: no, I'm just joking. What about you? It's a very strong one. I may have a really strong competitor, but maybe, I don't know, seventh, eighth. Mm,
1: it's a very, very strong cast. I'm really looking forward to the All-Stars final. Oh, it is. And now we have um, Jujubi season two Jujubi. She will not get a single win and yet again make it to the top three. I agree. Also, wasn't she... A judge on one of the snatch games in All Stars. Yes, um, her
2: and Raven. Raven when Tatiana was there.
1: And, and then now she's in All Stars herself. Do you know what?
2: Deservedly, she deserves to come back. She was in All Stars one as well, but she deserves it.
1: The Circle of Life.
2: Okay, I'm going to move quicker now. Meow. Yeah. India Ferrer. Love her. <laughs> top two. Girl. Season 3, wasn't she? Listen, she right. She got carried
1: by Mimi and first. She might be top number what? 10. But if she gets picked up by Mimi 1st she'll be top two. Mimi First is
2: not here, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amory's putting another one in top three. How many is that in top three so far? I don't know. <laughs> I think you put four of them in top three. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, yeah, I didn't come to this country to learn maths. <laughs> okay, Bushra, calm down. Okay. So, yeah, I'm thinking she's going to be second out. I think she'll be top two. Um, Derek Berry, who...
1: Um, <laughs> Doesn't want to be seen as Britney Spears, but came in as Britney Spears. Bitch, he came in as two types of Britney Spears. <laughs> he wore the womanizer dress and then took it off and
2: was doing a Vegas tour. No, no, it was the, um, the VMA's performance. Was it 2000? It was VMA's 2000 performance, I think he came in as.
1: Yeah, I think Derek will probably be the first out. Eventually. I agree. I'm so
2: sorry, Derek. Yeah. You know, okay. And then we have Blair Sinclair. I do declare uh seventh do you know what i'm i'm thinking sixth i've said a few at six i don't know I, Do you know what? i'm not underestimating blair okay all right we have to talk about the queen that is mariah i know how excited you oh, are for Balenciaga. This. Yeah.
1: yeah we have a, a really close friend who is dying <laughs> to see this queen on tv and he's been advocating her for like the last 10 years i'm like bitch calm down um, Mariah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to just seeing Mariah pop off. <laughs>
2: yes. And just be Mariah. And do you know what I'm looking forward to seeing? Do you know people that weren't, haven't watched the earlier seasons, be exposed to some of these queens, especially Mariah?
1: I think she will be the Alyssa Edwards of all stars. So you think, what position? Fifth
2: alternate. <laughs> ah, I'm nervous. I'm thinking eighth, seventh around the area. Mm. And now the final queen. Yeah. Slay kool look at the edges of SNEST today.
1: Well, since the advent of uh, the sacrifice of Bender I, I think she's going to walk out.
2: Well, she did quote tweet that tweet about like, not here for the twist that's going to come. And I'm trying to avoid all spoilers. Have you been avoiding spoilers? Bitch, you know me. I don't Good. hang
1: out on the internet Good.
2: at all. So, yeah, that's our rundown of All Stars 5. Let us know what you think and let us know which queens you want to win. Obviously, everyone is backing Shea Coulee over here. In this household, we stand who? Shea Coulee.
1: Our guest this week is... Miss Langey. Ryan Langey. Yes, we have Ryan Langey this week and Ryan is the founder, creator of the Hungama Desi Queer Nights in London.
2: Guess what, babe? What? He's going to be on Netflix.
1: <laughs> Ryan is on a Netflix show called... The Big Flower Fight. I have quite a few questions about The Big Flower Fight, right? Uh, it looks really interesting. Is it from the makers of Bake Off? Yeah, I think so. So you guys will love it. I th- I w- go watch the trailer on Netflix. When is it coming out? Do you know? Is it- um, Monday, May the 18th. Okay. So they're going to be making... So the premise of the show is they're going to be making sort of art sculptures out of flowers, which sounds amazing. Where does the fight come in? Are they going to hit each other with these (laughs) sculptures? Oh my God, I didn't think that. Do you know what? I'm hoping
2: it's like... You know what? You've got hair fever. Let's chuck some fucking flowers in your face. Yeah, bitch. like pollinate
1: you. Like is, is 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 Ryan just gonna walk around with like a stash of pollen and be like, oh, I've got all of these like stamens and there's a bee in this flower and just like shove it in someone's face? I really okay. Maybe that's season two, but um, you know, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, I'm wanting to see that on TV. Oh my God, maybe that's going to be an All Stars twist. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> all Stars, the big flower fight. Yeah, but no, it looks like a really, really good... Do you old, know what? It looks really <laughs> sickening. Yeah, all jokes aside, it looks really, really good. And I uh, genuinely cannot wait to watch it. But yeah, uh, Ryan, as, as we say, he's the creator of the Queer Desi Night in London, uh, called Hangama, which means chaos, mayhem. And we had a really interesting conversation with him and we spoke about a lot of great things, which uh, we hope you guys enjoy. So without further ado...
2: Here is Miss
1: Lanchi. Ryan Lanchi. Hi Ryan. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast.
0: I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I'm salivating from all of my horses. Wow.
1: With that great figure, I'm surprised you have any moisture left in you. But um, that's good to know. No, thank you so much for um, you know, being a part of the You Don't Love Me podcast and, and coming on board. That's, that's really, really great. But for our audience, uh, I always like to ask people this question. Ryan, who are you and why? <laughs>
0: Um, My name, um, I guess, by birth certificate, is Ryan Lange. I am a fashion and art curator. I've been curating in London for the last 10 years, working with beauty brands and fashion designers and fashion houses. Um, I curate, like, experiential and immersive exhibitions in museums and galleries and um, showcasing, like, designers and what they do as forms of contemporary art rather than just fashion. And then I think it was, like, a couple of years ago that I basically had a moment where, like, life went sideways and I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I just tried to uh, ingratiate myself into East London's queer scene. And I just felt like there was a huge void. And when I took some time to look deep and inward, I realized that it was because I was missing Bollywood. So I decided to basically throw a Bollywood night. And um, I just spent so much time in, in fashion and art. I invited everyone to come and enjoy it. And it just turned into this beautiful collective movement, which is called Hungama, which means chaos. And it's uh, East London's queer Bollywood hip-hop night. It's been described as an Indian Studio 54, which I love because um, that was an era that I think is just so poignant for art, fashion, and culture. And um, we have just taken over the world, I guess, like, played in India, played for Soho House, Vogue, Diesel, Ministry of Sound. Like, people were just so open to the idea of celebrating queerness, Asian people, and Bollywood music. Wow. That is probably the best um, Who Are You and Why we've ever had. Oh, I'm here to impress.
1: That sounds phenomenal. I mean, you've done so uh, so much. You've come so far and I you know certainly would want to um, home in on uh, the uh, Hangama night It looks like the place to be, you know, for a queer South Asian person. It it looks like the its spot. And uh, when me and Amir were looking at the pictures um, a few months back, now we said it had that sort of Desi Studio Fifty Four type vibe. Swear down. So cool. We both looked at the pictures and we were like, "Oh my god, we have nothing to wear. We need new clothes to look amazing, like like, everyone else." And and
2: it wasn't. And I looked when I was looking at the pictures. I just felt like just by looking at the pictures and talking to talking to people. It wasn't a night where you felt pressured to, like, you have to look fit and sexy and, like, hot. It's, like, a night to really express your creativity and your art and be who you want to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I I think the genesis of Hungama has always been uh, being completely authentic with who I am. Like, I am gay. I am Asian. I am in fashion. I am in art. I'm extremely cultured and extremely creative. And so every single person that gets involved and any DJ, any performer, any host, like, I feel like they need to be cut from the same cloth and just be exuberant and be excited and almost like willing to be in that space and be completely unconditionally accepted and loved and give that to anyone who comes to the party as well. So like you said, someone can come in and just be wearing a T-shirt and jeans or someone can come in with nipple tassels and a kurta pajama and and be completely calm and chill. And um, I think... Where it came from was when I was working in fashion, like there are parties like Boombox that was happening, um, where like Kylie Minogue and like all of these amazing models would like show up and dance and go mental. And I was like, that has got to exist for South Asians. And once we get South Asians um, visible and represented, I want my parties to be where everyone comes. And so um, I just basically just always had that as our core ethos. And now we have like some of the biggest movers and shakers, uh, queer and straight at Hungama, partying and enjoying their culture, which is just so important to me. Incredible. You know, we've been to many of Bollywood,
2: um, Bollywood hip-hop queer nights in the UK. How do you think Hungama, you know, differs from them?
0: Well, I, out of respect, when I started the night, I, I, as a curator, it's important for me to know what's happened and know what's happening in order to create something in the future. So I naturally knew about Sati, I naturally knew about Club Kali and Desi Boys. And so I attended Desi um, Boys in Club Kali and I, I went to Club Kali and I got in touch with uh, Rita and DJ Ritu and I said to them that, listen, like, I want to throw a night in East London. I want it to be very, like, fashion forward and very public facing. Can I get your um, uh, approval and endorsement? And um, they were both like, uh, well, Ritu doesn't really speak to anyone, DJ Ritu, but Rita was really kind and accepting and she was like, we'll I'll do it with you. And I was like, great. So we, we had Club Kali collaborate for the first Hangama. We had DJ Ritu play as well. Um, And when we had that first night, like it it was very obvious that there is still a huge demographic of South Asians who love Club Kali and want to be a part of that community because of the need to protect their orientation and their privacy. It had to be a space for them to feel safe. But I also knew that there was a a growing number of South Asians who were out and proud and out and creative. And I I just felt Rita and I both um, acknowledged that there is a space for Hongama to exist that'd be public facing and very forward thinking. And so um, it was like a, a passing over of a baton, if you will. Like they were like, go for it, go do it. And then I just did it and never looked back.
1: That's phenomenal. I mean, me and Amir, when we had, uh, we hosted a night at Club Kali, and, and this was something that me and Amir had a conversation about, and it was very much around the pride within the queer South uh, Asian space. Mm. Sometimes I feel that, that there is a little bit of a void there or it's somewhat missing. You know, we don't see a lot of that happening within the queer South Asian space. But, you know, Hung, Hungama, it seems like is is very much, Working in that space, I, I think so. Because sometimes I felt
2: like when I go to you know South Asian queer nights, some people are still hiding mm-hmm. and yeah. like sort of in the shadows, and I'm not hiding over here. I'm like, I want everyone to be up here. I want us all to be okay. I was trying to, to, to be a bit. There. I was trying to be a bit
1: more diplomatic.
2: But yeah, that's no, no, what no, no. I'm I'm saying i I just, as well. I sometimes I feel there's, there's that yeah. essence of that. You know, that hiding themselves a bit.
0: That space exists, and like I think it was the time I spent in fashion where I was blessed to sound Canadian-American. I have a name like Ryan Lanji, which is nondescript. When people meet me, they don't necessarily think of me as South Asian. They'll be like, is he Polynesian? Is he Spanish? Is he Brazilian? And so I always was an ethnic hybrid. And as soon as I realized that Bollywood and like Hinduism and my childhood was something that I wasn't talking about, and I also was like omitting from my life, I realized that I was was recognizing the privilege I had within myself. Um, I was almost like ethnic presenting, not South Asian presenting. And so that's when I started to realize in fashion and that like um, we basically didn't have uh, a space for South Asians who have like double-barreled names, like have, have, have come from different parts of London who are growing up in really cultural, really traditional households, a, a space for them to be creative and them to showcase their talent, not just their ethnicity, showcase their potential, not just um, their queerness. And like, so I was like, I want to create a space where we literally bring people in and say, what do you want to be? be that here, I will bring in people from all different walks of life and fashion and art. They will come to this party. I will show, I will create like a, a, a hub or an epicenter where the fashion photographers, the um, art directors, and people can come and see our culture and then cherry pick who they want and give you that platform to take your career to the next level. Mm. So that's, that's kind of where it is for me. It's not about coming out and being proud and gay because we have Club Kali, we have pride, we have, we have Bollywood DJs. I was like, Hangama's about creating a really tight-knit community of really vanguard South Asian creatives. And, and I like the fact that you, you, know, you mentioned that
2: you want people to come see and, you know, take people and let them take this, you know, the creativity and careers to another level as well. I think that's wicked.
0: Yeah, it's the only way we're going to grow, right? I mean, any, any massive subculture that has um, created a, a splash in, in art or culture or fashion um, has always come from some sort of um, underground night. So, like, Studio 54 was the pop movement, I mean like Dadaism started in with Duchamp and like it's important to really look at it like um, intelligently and academically and then be like all right cool how does Indian culture fit into this? I agree with you and I'm de- for me I was saying to Amory the other day when we were talking about
2: representation like I'm, I'm desperate to see like we I'm like oh we see, there's loads of representation now that we see within our community but I'm desperate to see that's representation in the mainstream in all walks of life now.
0: Yeah it's important for us to do that and I think unapologetically um, creating that space is important I'm I, when I started Hangamo, they were like, oh, this is a really cute night. We'd love to do something more POC. And I was like, no, fuck it. I'm going to ask Soho House if we can do a party in Soho House because I've never seen that many South Asians there. And yes. they were like, yeah, let's do it. And I, 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 I had a guest list of like 100 kids come to Soho House. And you need to be a member to get in that building. And like 100 of them had the opportunity to go in and see what it was like and and party and enjoy themselves. And like, It's moments like that I had when I moved to London where people really saw me and invited me into really cool and amazing venues and spaces. And I always like it expanded what I thought I was capable of doing. And so I want Hangama to be that for South Asian creatives.
1: If you don't mind, I'd love to know a little bit uh, more about, you know, how life was uh, growing up for you, your sort of coming out story. You did mention privilege. Uh, You know, how, how did all those experiences lead you to where you are?
0: Um, well, I, I ha- I've had a really like difficult upbringing, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it was like devastating. Like I've ha- had great parents; they were amazing to me. Um, they unfortunately, we're not in a healthy, loving relationship, and and being queer in that in that point in my life, and also um, watching them try so hard to to battle the toxicity of their relationship, I just became like another problem. And so when I think it was 19, when I decided to come out of the closet, not by choice. I think my dad was um, very observant and he realized that I was gay and he kind of like used it in the argument with my mom. And um, I was studying film at that time. I got into a film school. I think they only accepted like 40 kids in a year. And um, so it was very elite. But it was like it was the coolest film school in um, Vancouver where I'm from to go to. And he found out. And I just had a moment where like my sister called me. My sister knew I was gay. And she was just like, Ryan, I I told you, like, be whoever you want. This is, like, 11 or 12 years ago now. She was like, be whoever you want, do whatever you want. She's like, I just told you to keep it out of the house. And she's like, look at what you've done. You brought it in the house. And now we don't know what to do. Like, mom and dad are just at each other's throats. Like, now you're a problem as well. Like, I just told you to just tone your gayness down. (laughs) And, like, back then she was saying it just to basically, like, calm the house. Our house was so violent and so toxic. And um, she was just like, we just don't need another problem. But for me, I felt like I was just being silenced and I was being voided when I didn't even know who I was. And so um, I just made a decision to move out. The next day, I just um, packed my bags and I just left and I never moved back home. I dropped out of school because my parents stopped paying for my schooling and I never was able to make my graduate film. And then I just um, was kind of taken in by my university friends and like the people I worked with. Um, they, they knew that I was struggling. I didn't have any money. And like, my parents were still telling me to come home, but they wanted me to live their way. They wanted me to come home not tell anyone I was gay, just finish my schooling, get my degree. And then like, they were going to, at that point, figure out how to stop making me gay. And in my head, I was like, no, something is pulling you out of this and you need to just follow it. And I remember going to my professor at university and saying to him, I was like, I'm so sorry, but I just failed this year's final exam. I just, my parents found out I was gay and I have moved out. And he just looked at me and said, don't worry, I'm going to pass you. And I said, why? And he's like, because being gay is going to be one of the reasons that you're successful in this world, if you use it correctly. He's like, I really believe in you, so like, you just need to keep going. And I said, how do you know that? And he said, because I used to have a daughter. I mean, I had a daughter that used to be my son. And um, that's the first time I ever spoke to someone who was an ally of the trans community. And, wow. Like 19 years old, staring at him, being like, I don't know what you're saying to me, but I'm just going to go with it. Mm. And so I just, I, I unfortunately had to leave because I couldn't pay for school and I was a bit stubborn. Um, I got a job at a coffee shop um, with my dear friend and I was just serving soup and coffee to people. And um, one day, a curator came in and he, I think he was always really sweet to me and kind, and he said, you seem really interesting, what do you do? Um, this is probably year 2008, nine? He said, I'm a curator, I do fashion exhibitions, I want you to come and help me. So I literally just showed up at his gallery and just um, put on my first exhibition. Um, he let me just run the whole show and it was for a fashion photographer named Virginia Lehman, who was a photographer uh, in Vancouver who shot over 25 years of fashion around the world. And back then, to put it into perspective, back then you needed a permit to take photographs of fashion. You wouldn't, you weren't able to go to shows and take pictures with your phone. Phones didn't exist. And so um, she wasn't able to publish a single photo because she was a journalist, but she took 25 years' worth of imagery. She had images of, like, Betsy Johnson doing the splits and Audrey Hepburn at Fashion Week and, like, um, Grace Kelly attending shows. It was epic. And I had no idea what I was holding in my hands, but I was sticking them on walls and hanging them like art. And um, it was Virginia herself who was like, you need to... Do this, like you're really good at curating. Um, and at the time, I had met a boy who was from England, and I uh, he had to come back because of his visa. So I decided to move with him. So I just saved up like ten thousand um, dollars. I was working in a restaurant as well, and um, just flew here and literally just had. I was in a KFC in Whitechapel with ten thousand dollars in my pocket, and basically was like, right, let's get started.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, what a story. That's just like, that's phenomenal. That's incredible. That is, yeah, yeah having that gut and, and the word that comes to mind whilst I was hearing that was tenacity. Mm. You know, you've sh- you've shown a lot of tenacity in terms of your spirit and getting through it. I mean, that's amazing. How are things now as far as your family is concerned?
0: I'm a very loving person and I will never, I will never cut um, a cord or burn a bridge. I will always be patient and kind and like even though people do not approve of my lifestyle or what I was doing, I've always gotten more grief about the fact that I didn't finish uni and I moved to London than I ever had about being gay. We just never spoke about it. And um, my mum has visited me a handful of times and like she has always been proud of me as much as she will never be able to publicly display that in front of other people. Um, it's interesting because if I do anything Bollywood related, she's very proud of me. If I do anything like weird and fashion related, she thinks I've wasted my life. Um, but, um, when, but she does love me unconditionally. Like she's this huge supporter. She's even hosted a hangama once. Like I gave her a a VIP section and she danced all night and had a great time. And when we left, uh, like the morning, she was like, "Beta, like I'm from a small Island in Fiji. And I always dreamed of, um, like being in a big city and partying. And she's like, you made me feel like Beyonce tonight. And she started to cry and I put her in a taxi and I was like, it took took 11 years to get to that point. What magical moment. Yeah, it was so beautiful in Dalston, like, shoving my mom into an Uber after getting out of Visions video bar. Um, And I was like, (laughs) Victoria Beckham shot a fashion film here, and she was like, oh, my son, son, I'm so proud of you.
1: (laughs) That is amazing. I love that. That I absolutely love that. That's so wholesome. How nice. I mean... I hear stories like that and I'm thinking should I have been paid more patient with my family but I suppose not you know you can't you can't compare to to the same but it sounds wonderful that you've got a, a relationship with your mom, and, and you're able to share um success and, and show her the success that you've achieved that's really really heartwarming to hear
0: it is it is it doesn't come with its downfalls I mean there have been months and months where we have not spoken um there have been times where we completely see the wrong end of um each other's perspectives. Um, my sister and I do not have a really loving relationship, but we are very robotic and kind to each other. My dad and I do not speak because my dad, unfortunately is quite an alcoholic and can only resort to maybe two or three terms of endearment when a conversation is not really listening to what I'm going through or where, but he is still there. So it's like, I do hold my head under the of water. Sometimes I do cry at home wondering what the hell is the point of all of this. Um, but it's moments like, um, where like I have brought South Asian kids like me together who have the same kind of fractured relationships with their families and we sort of build a new family together. Where We're there for each other. We're, we're there to fill in the gaps of the lack of relationship that our, we couldn't get from our parents and we're fusing it with culture. Like, that's, it's like It's like taking something broken, like broken porcelain and like using gold to connect all of the cracks. And it's sort of down to this a
2: lot on this new generation to really merge the culture with the, the you know the new mindset as well moving forward for the next generation the next generation to follow
0: yeah absolutely and it's like we have to lead by example
1: yeah absolutely oh, sure. absolutely two points on that i suppose the first is you know as, as part of the hungama family you know whenever you're um feeling uh, the way that you do or you know if you're ever feeling down you have sisters uh, with the You Don't Love Me podcast, yes. and um, in, as far as examples are concerned, I think we can safely say that me and Amir are, are bad examples of, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, stories of what not to be. I suppose, but we're trying to be better. We're trying to trying I'm to not. be a, trying to be a little less messy. I'm
0: not trying to be less messy.
1: No, okay, it's fine.
0: So that's what's super important, though. Like, even though we've only met once or twice, like, it's I've experienced, and I'm sure you have as well. Like, lots of parental relationships that are like this auntie's doing that, but when we go and hang out with them, don't mention it. And like, or we're, we don't approve of what uncle blah, 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 did with this auntie, blah, 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 and all this situation. It's like, it really fucks with my head. I'm just like, why can't we just live and let live and let everyone be do their own thing and love them regardless. And so in the Indian community that we have, we all have to like disengage from that type of relationship and that type of attachment. And so when I meet other people like ahangama, like they, even when we first started, A lot of South Asian queer people were like, why do you want me there? Or like, can I trust you? And I was like, no, you can trust me because that's the one thing we weren't able to do in our youth was trust each other. And so we just we literally just call each other all the time, hang out all the time, get involved, watch each other's lives, like each other's photographs, be at each other's events, like just unconditional love and support because we have a lot to catch up on. Like we've lost a lot of time being told that we were capable of anything and loved and supported. So like we just need to do it extra now. And, um, and that's kind of like what we do at Hangama, as well as party.
2: You know, I, I completely agree with that. I think we have to, you know, continuously uh, lift each other up. And like you said, even if it's just sharing each other's stuff, liking each other's stuff, meeting up, going to events and, you know, doing the damn thing. It's so important for our community to do that.
1: Hmm. Yeah. The incident of COVID-19 isn't going to help any of us right now. How are you dealing with the current situation?
0: Well, I had a really interesting 2020. Um, I had the privilege of going to India and playing at Kitty Sue and South house Mumbai. And it was on our return back that we realized that COVID was occurring. As life happens, my partner and I um, broke up in India. And it was a situation where I felt like my life was ending because I spent the whole end of the year organizing my life to be with that person and to take on garment a direction with that person in mind. And literally was on a plane back from the motherland knowing that that wasn't going to happen. Oh no. So I got back and I was really devastated. And I was like, I was on my knees really being like, Whoa, how did that, how did that go sideways so quickly? And, um, I have really dear friends around me who like nursed me back to health and were like, don't worry, you got to get through this. So I got up and I basically curated a massive exhibition with the other art fair, And I had hungamas lined up until the end of the year. And literally I kid you not, as soon as I started feeling confident about it all working out and, um, Like, luck being on my side. Um, Everything got cancelled. It just disappeared. And I just, it was gone. Like, just gone.
1: Gosh.
0: So I was just, I just went through a weird depression where I was like, all of the hangamas, the reasons that I, the monthly reason why I exist at the moment is not happening until next year. The exhibition I wanted to put up that put so much energy in with a broken heart um, was just not possible. And I was just like bedridden for a day. Um, And so I still am slightly disorientated by it, but um, I just realized that, like, pressure makes diamonds. So I immediately decided to um, turn Hangama into live streams and interview a lot of people that I consider to be friends, but um, who are actually, like, pretty notable culture shapers in the South Asian community. And um, we've had over thousands and thousands of viewers and such amazing feedback. And, um, and now doors are opening and turning Hangama to more of a radio show, which is cute. Um, it's allowing Bollywood to have more of a presence in a more, I'd say, Western-centric programming. You did the interview
1: with Manish Malotra. So, you know, I did want to do, ask you as to how, uh, how was that for you? And um, is Manish Malhotra willing to make a dress for Lady Bushra? Fuck off. He <laughs> already has. You already <laughs> yes, I recall. Yeah, she was saying it doesn't fit. It's too loose.
0: I just <laughs> on the phone and she basically was like, you need to get a job at Heathrow and she's like I know uncle blah 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 can get you a job at Heathrow like you should just like drop all of this like nonsense and just get a job and then I was like mom I might interview Manish Malhotra she's like well I have a wedding in June so you need to get me a sari. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: it I love it yeah
0: talk, talk to us how was that? It was incredible I had the pleasure of meeting Manish um, at uh, the Hindustan Hindustan Times Leadership Summit in December um, uh, a good friend of mine asked me to go I was um, taking care of a handful of notable designers like Prabhu Gurung and America Transu, and we were there with like Hessen Blumenthal and some amazing people. I was literally just like Anne Hathaway in the first Prada. I was just like there to make sure that everyone got to where they needed to be. And then, um, I guess because I was covered in tattoos and I have a bit of a strut, like Manish kind of walked over and said, What are you doing here? What is your story? And okay. I was like, Oh, it's Hollywood night. And he like sat down and looked at all the pictures and he was like, I mean, This is really like popular man and i was like yeah no it is and he's like what do you do and then we had a chat about like working with his clothes and doing a fashion exhibition and then i just got his phone number and we've just been in touch really randomly and it wasn't until a couple weeks ago that um my friend sophie who i'm currently staying with um she's the fashion editor of f word magazine she was like why don't you just call manish and ask him to do it and i was like i never thought of it like i'll just do that and so i did and he was like yeah i'll do it on friday and so we chatted it was really sweet. It was amazing to speak to someone who has literally shaped Bollywood's identity for the last 30 years. I was so excited on the interview. I just, I couldn't really sit straight.
2: <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> so, remember.
1: You know what? We were all gagging though. Yeah, we were all it. gagging. I was like, how? But I'm so glad you've told us. We were literally like. You know living. what? Do you realize that now you are one degree of
0: separation away from uh, yeah. our Lord and Savior Madhuri Dixit? I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, no, um, I, I'm. So honored and humbled by how Hangama has actually brought me way closer to Bollywood. I mean, it's one thing because I went into film school. and I wanted to be a Bollywood filmmaker. My graduate film was going to be a Bollywood love story. And um, I, when I came out of the closet, all of that disappeared. And so there's a mm-hmm. few things disappearing in my life. Um, and then basically, with Hangama, like, I was just throwing this gay Bollywood night thinking that I would just, like, make it on ID and days, and, like, have be really cool. But I didn't realize that Bollywood would welcome me with open arms. Like, I've had the pleasure of uh, becoming a part of the board of directors at the UK Asian Film Festival. I was due to interview Hema Malini. Um, I've had dinner with, like, Radhika Atteh. And, and um, I interviewed Vidya Balan recently. And it's, like, so cool that they're just, when you meet them... They're like, what do you do? And they like immediately have a connection with me. And then when I tell them that I run a gay Bollywood hip hop night and I see them acknowledge it and then celebrate it. It's like phenomenal to know that I've I've managed to create a space for our people in our community in Bollywood. That's phenomenal. And it's great to hear that, you know,
1: all these A-list stars endorse what you do. But I mean, you know, what you're doing is is beyond phenomenal. It's not just the A-list stars. It's the fact that you're also, you know, when watching your Insta Lives, you're
2: giving a platform to other people as well, you know, rising stars or other people that you care for. And like, it's introducing us all to new artists, which I absolutely love. Because I discovered Siva through the... um, the lives, and I've never heard his music before. And I downloaded his EP, and he's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, and even the um, even the South Asian drag queens oh, like yeah. Manar El Waters, Kaida yeah. and 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 so many more. You've uh, you know you're you're working together. You've worked together. That, that's uh, that's great to see that community forming.
0: Yeah, well, hangama has been built brick by brick, and I've I've been there. And um, when they come in, you learn about who they are and where they are in their journey. And um, I try to help them as much as I can. And sometimes they help me um, in ways they don't know. And um it's interesting that I have I had a moment where I was like, wow, it would it would be weird if everyone had an interaction with me, but I wasn't able to celebrate everyone. So I just felt like this whole COVID situation was a perfect opportunity to have a one hour in-depth chat, really casual and fun with the people who I I forget that I have the honor and privilege of knowing. Like we've met with Rahima Raymon, Nikita Chada, the model, um Aisha is a weapons um, specialist and model, like uh, Siva, who is absolutely phenomenal and has like literally captured me in so many ways that I can't even describe. And like it's it's amazing to see how the community was there, because three years ago I was standing in the club by myself, DJing off YouTube and Spotify, hoping that Asian people would show up. Mm. Oh, and now we have a Hangama where we like... I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but, like, Hangama was meant to take over the Southbank Centre and throw the first queer Asian pride this year. And, like, we're, they were giving us, like, the entire stage for the whole day. And I had the talent to put on those stages.
1: The tea. That's amazing.
0: Yes. Yeah, so that's, a, that's a You Don't Love Me podcast first. But, like, it, it's a situation where, like, that's, that's where I was like, wow, okay, you need to really... Um, be aware of how much culture you've created and, and help everyone get there and keep them together. Because, I mean, if one of them takes off all of a sudden, like hits the cover of Vogue or becomes a number one chart to- topper, it's like we need to remind them that like we are their support, their fan base and their unit and grow with them as well. Like we're only as strong as each other. I love that Absolutely love
1: that. A- Amir always says If we eat You all eat Yes he If you eat re- You're eating Yeah he he always says that To sort of remind me and, and and you know Everyone that We're all in it together You know it's when people Sometimes message us
2: like well, You know we hope You get your own show Your own radio show And blah 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 And I was like Oh what do you do Okay if we eat You eat girl Yeah <laughs> like, like we We're would all in we'd all
1: We'd take everyone Forward together <laughs> Yeah that that's what It's all about Hey I think Lady Bushra Might end up on the cover Of Vogue What do you think Ryan <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I was thinking more Filmfare or blitz, but yeah, Vogue, that's cool. No, I, I was th- thinking more pastry of the Sun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, she, I, I was thinking more sort of criminal record mugshots. But anyway, I did have a question for you. You know, you say you're a curator of art. I think you're a bit of a curator of Bollywood as well I've you know when we've done the interviews and when I've seen your live interviews that I'm a big Bollywood fanatic and what I've noticed is that um, your choice of music is sort of it's the type of music that somebody with a good ear for a beat or a sound or a tune would tune you know you you seem to be a big fan of Asha Bosley and uh, you know I'd love to know what your uh, you know, how did that come about? What your what are your influences of Bollywood? It seems like you're not just a fan of, you know, chart toppers. Am I right?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I grew up listening to Bollywood. There was a video store in Canada called Cumble's Video Palace and I used to like make my mum go there every month and I would just drop, well, she would drop a lot of money. <laughs> Very young age, because I had this disenfranchisement with my cousins, they would all sit in a room and play Xbox or watch wrestling. I just, literally sat there just feeling so estranged. So I would spend time listening to the Bollywood music and at that point, not to give my age away, but um, we were buying cassette tapes. So um I was basically like learning where the songs were on the cassette tapes. And I would just have a get a blaster in my bedroom and then my mom would have cocktail parties and like kitty parties and um I would set all the tapes up and then play the music for my aunties. And um they I just became really good at knowing what they would dance to and what they wouldn't. And then as you look at the songs, you learn who the playback singers are. Um, so that was like, I think it was probably like 97 to like Dev Das, where like I was heavily embedded in what was happening in Bollywood. And then I remember I just started growing up and realizing that Bollywood was still a bit backwards in terms of what they were making and what they were doing. So I think it was when Om Shanti Om and Sawadia came out that I was so obsessed with Sawadia and its like artistry and Sanjay Leela Bansali's work. And I was so upset that Om Shanti Om was wonderful, but also it was like fodder. It like... <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I watched both of those films on
1: on the same day. I walked in one it's cinema screen there. and walked out and walked into the other. So I watched Om Shanti Om, because I remember it was a big clash between the two when, when they released. But I preferred Om Shanti Om rather than Savaria. I didn't get the uh, plot, but then again, I haven't seen Savaria again since then.
0: Well, Savaria was beautiful because I remember I studied films uh, production. So I was looking at this Baz Luhrmann asset design. I was looking at Sanjali Bhansali's like uh, a tourism. I was looking at Dostoevsky's White Knights, which is a beautiful German short story being brought oh to God. life in Indian um, like style. I was looking at the harmony of like portraying the Muslim culture and like through the beauty of Shakespearean tropes. And I was like, this is deep. And I was like, I was sitting there like maybe 11, 12 years ago being like, holy cow, we're actually making Segway in Bollywood. And um, it's not the best film. I think that there are like issues with it. But I was like, how is this not being like celebrated and not like being seen by a, a full house? And um, that's when I realized that we weren't asking it. So we weren't asking for it. And now like, I took a hiatus. I didn't listen to Bollywood music for 10 years. Um, and it wasn't until Hungama that like people started coming and requesting songs. And um, my very dear friend, Nick, who is the producer at The tape, he came to a hangama once and was like, I love this night, but you're not playing enough new music. So he wrote me a list of 50 movies I needed to watch. I've watched all of them. And I think that Bollywood's like caught up with itself. So we're not now we're starting to make great films. We have female filmmakers. Fourth generation of Bollywood stars are, are asking for better roles. And I think what's really interesting is that Hollywood has like oversaturated their celebrities and their stars like Literally, no one cares that they're in a film. No one cares about their gravitas. But what Bollywood's done so beautifully is that there's still this sort of royalty that comes with being a Bollywood actor and actress. And, they, and they're and they championing that, and which which just adds so much more of a magnetic attraction to that cinema. And that's in my experience. And so um, I'm really excited that we can go in. Like Colin Kanda, who's like directing the next Dostana film, Dostana 2, um, came to Hangama in India. And he was like, I love Hangama in London. It's so great. So... We've been trying to like figure out a way how we can get Hangama involved in the next gay Dostana 2 film, which is going to be sickening if it happens. But like, I'm ready for Bollywood to embrace what actually happening in our community and our culture rather than just projecting like a almost like a non-fictional tale or a fictional tale on screen where we all just have to acknowledge it and accept it for what it is.
1: That's brilliant. That's phenomenal. My mind's blown, honestly. But I do think... It is time to do some trivia, Amir. Oh right, okay, yeah, I, I know. Do. Honestly, I, I could talk Bollywood. He really could with you all day, all night. There's, I'm making notes as we speak, but we'll we'll. That's for a different, for a different podcast episode on a different day. So, are you ready for some light-hearted trivia?
0: Hit me, hit me with your best shot.
1: Okay. Question number one: Favorite city.
0: Oh my god, it changed recently. I think I would have to say my favorite city is new york
2: oh brilliant choice that's my favorite city
1: yeah i would have been so jealous if you said mumbai because that's one place which is so difficult for me to get to given the fact that i am of pakistani origin the visa process is so long
0: yeah i was going to say something a bit more beautiful like italy or um something that's more european but then i just realized that new york has always been the city that new york has been like a driving force for what i do i was if it happens in new york and i'm there then i'm down New York is magical. Oh, we, we love magical. New York.
1: Absolutely love New York. Favourite food?
0: Um, my favourite food would have to be Chinese food.
1: Oh, good choice. Okay, okay, well. You like a good chicken mein?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, shit Chinese food or amazing Chinese food, I'm down. If I'm sad, Chinese food. If I'm celebrating Chinese food, like, throw me a wonton. Give me some sweet and sour something. I'm good.
1: Why are you looking at me like that, Amory? No, no, I'm banned from eating Chinese. <laughs> you're not banned. Food.
0: Right, you told me that you didn't really like
2: it too much. I don't like it too I don't like it that much because there's so much salt in it.
1: Do you know what's the relevance of what you're saying to this re- interview? What? No, Nothing. I'm asking you. No. Yeah, exactly.
0: So shut up then. Jesus okay.
1: Favourite drink, Ryan. <laughs> a Negroni.
0: Negroni? That's Ooh, a good one. Oh
1: good why choice. why Negroni?
0: Because it's all alcohol, it's classy, and if someone doesn't know what it is, you know that they don't read well.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Do you have any superstitions?
0: Absolutely. I, I believe that the moon is in control of all of us. Um, I believe that you should never discount... Um, Energetic feeling and intuition, so I'm like very superstitious when it comes to like I guess energetic spirituality and the moon and astrology.
1: Um, three really
0: important questions. <laughs> really? They're remote.
1: They're emotional. They're personal. They go in deep. Are you ready, Ryan?
0: Yeah, I, I love it when we go deep.
1: You have an elephant and you can't get rid of it. What would you do with it?
0: Get married on it, and then what would you do with it? Eat it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> an elephant an elephant elephants are like honestly to be honest with you um whenever i feel like london is giving me like a really difficult time i always look for an elephant i always look for a, a symbol of an elephant somewhere and more often than not i've always found one so like whenever i'm questioning whether i should do something or not i'll look around and if there's there's always been an elephant around so i have this really strong um connection with elephants i think they're like earth's be- beautiful giants so strong don't- you want to eat them yeah, no, I would never eat it. I was just trying to be sassy. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You could, keep, You could like, bring, ride it into Hungama night. Yeah, no, imagine that. No, it's, I just really wanted to live and just go and be somewhere and, like, happy.
1: And, like... I, I love elephants. I think they're so large yet so elegant. I aspire to be like that one day. It used to be my nickname in prison, large yet <laughs> elegant. Okay, final two questions. If you had a warning label, what would it say?
0: Um, often imitated, never duplicated. Ooh. Ooh. That's, that's a sassy ass That was label. fast as
1: well answer. Yeah.
0: I know one of my favourite things to do I think RuPaul ratted me out um, I don't actually know him but he said that the best thing to do at a dinner table when someone goes to the bathroom and comes back is, is to just look at someone at the table going why don't you say that to her face <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it okay Final one Final.
1: This is terrible this is a horrible question Snog Marry, kill. Donald Trump, Theresa May, Rishi Sumak, go.
0: Oh my god, for so many reasons, I don't even want to answer this. Um, kill Donald because someone needs to. Okay, work. Um, Marry <laughs> Richie because I don't really know who that person is, so I can basically just get to know him and then hopefully love will come afterwards and snog Theresa May because I was drunk. Yeah!
1: Okay. I'm yeah, uh, it's um, that that's that's good, actually, that you don't know Rishi, but like it's a good choice to marry him because he's rich and he's got a rich father-in-law, so you are set for life, basically. So, well done. But let's not talk about what we feel about him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the You Don't Love Me podcast does not endorse any decisions made by our guest Ryan today, <laughs> because, let's face it, who'd want to snog Theresa May? Okay, I'm joking. Right. Who'd want to... You give them some difficult choices, there, babe. Those. Were, how? How? What did
0: you think of my trivia? That was cute, right? I mean, it was great. I. I I'm just glad that this isn't being recorded.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's news for you there. Okay. Um, I think that was that was a lot of fun, Amir.
2: Um, I just want one more thing. Okay. Um, I always try to ask guests this question, and let's see what you come up with. Um, just some advice. So we have many, you know, young. LGBTQIA plus people of colour who listen, all from different countries, out from oppressed countries as well. What advice would you give these young queer people?
0: If I had to give queer people advice, um, I'm first of all honoured that I'm asked because I never knew that I'd be in a place where I could give people guidance. But um, I would say be patient with yourself. Give yourself rituals in life, things that um, help you see straight and think straight and be calm and be clear-headed. Um, Know that emotions are just um, passing feelings that don't dictate your life. So Don't let them control you and um, never forget what you want to do. And people who believe in you will help you do it. That's brilliant. I love that.
1: I really like that message. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, the You Don't Love Me podcast. And I can't wait for us to... um... Connect next time And I, meet in person Once Miss, Miss Rona's calmed down a little I bit. cannot wait
2: to go to a Hangama night I'm already like, what shall I wear? What we, else am I going to wear?
1: Yeah, we had planned to come to the March uh, event And the April one as well, hadn't mm. we? Yeah, but unfortunately those plans Had to be deferred because Miss Rona Decided to make an appearance But um, when things get rebooted we'd love, to, we'd love to be down
0: Yeah, no, definitely I see a You Don't Love Me um, Hangama collab For sure. Like, I I just see a lot of dinners, dancing, Tamaka. It's all going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Follow me. Like, love you guys. And like, just let's just make this family loud and proud and queer in here.
1: Why aren't you interrupting me? I'm
2: just tired of the singing. <laughs> Why? I'm going now. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'm gone. You I'm get, gone. You get, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm going. I'm
1: going. i gone. Get back here now. Man. I'm gone. I'm gone. Okay. I'm gone. Want, okay, what can I do to bring you back?
2: Okay, I'm here now. Oh, okay. I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> okay. I just...
1: Do uh, you know what?
2: That was brilliant, Ryan. Thank you so much. I thought you were talking about my singing. No, yeah. no one talking about your fucking singing, bitch. That was uh,
1: a lot of fun. It was really, really interesting. I particularly enjoyed the part where Ryan spoke about his elephant and what he would do with the elephant. You love asking people that question, don't you? I'm really interested on the nation, the world's views on curating elephants.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. I was just really interested to hear about all these fucking like um, arts and parties and all this shit going on, and how Hungama came about and his fucking backstory in life.
1: He is one of the pillars, I suppose, within the queer South Asian community, and that's really really great to see. I mean, uh, and we can't wait until lockdown's over and we can go and party and and have a great time in Hungama. And uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and I uh, would love to uh, do an interview with Ryan again. Also, can we talk about the fact that Ryan? also has a show on the same radio channel that we're on, Alphabet oh, Radio. yes.
2: He mixes that... Girl, his mixes are sickening. Yeah. I'm not going to
1: lie. Yeah, guys, go check uh, Ryan out on Alphabet Radio and listen to that mix. And I'm sure that's a flavour of what's to come in Hungama uh, Night, so I can't wait. But yeah, that's uh, that's my life, really. I
2: just want to say a massive thank you to Ryan, especially through corona. He's really brought the community together, like really worked hard and brought us all together, connected us all, built us all up. There's no, you know... It's just amazing.
1: It is. And every Thursday we all get together and it's open to everyone who wants to join the Instagram live. We play Comments Against Bollywood where they ask a genuine question, like, for example, what was Hema Malini's first film? And we come up with as silly answers as possible. I would respond with, you know, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, you know, just ridiculous stuff. And like I was
2: responding that. like finding Madeleine McCann.
1: Yeah, something ridiculous like that. <laughs> and, and it's a lot of fun. And whoever can get the funniest reaction. They say funniest. I think whoever gets the most shocking reaction um, wins. And if people want to fa- follow Ryan, where can people follow Ryan?
2: Well, they can follow Hungama first of all. Yeah. At Hungama underscore LDN mm-hmm. on Instagram, and they can follow Ryan um, on Instagram um, at Miss Ms. Langi L A N J I,
1: Miss Langi, Miss
2: Langi, and, and you can follow us meow. on Instagram at you don't love me underscore podcast. That is you don't love me underscore podcast. Twitter YDLM underscore podcast. YDLM underscore podcast. You can you know get us on Facebook. You can go on our DMs. You can just do what the fuck you want with us, within reason. Obviously within the law. But thank you for listening, guys. Thank you so much, guys. We love you,
1: but you don't love me. Bye. Bye.